0: Well, good morning it is so good to see all of you here this morning I'm going to do something first I'm going to invite all of the first through third graders if you're not already up would you go back and see Ms. Danielle all of the shining lights back there the wonderful hat she's wearing uh, she's pointing the way to um, children's ministry thank you Danielle for all the ways you serve our children But children first through third graders you're welcome to head back there So tis the season. I have a confession to make that I absolutely love this time of year. (laughs) This is wonderful. So maybe you're one of those curmudgeons that doesn't like this as much and your favorite movie is The Grinch. But I love this time of year. Everything about Christmas I love. Okay, maybe I shouldn't say everything. The consumerism gets to me. Um, I get bothered by that, about, but everything about the foundations of Christmas, I absolutely love. Okay, you're sitting there saying, well, how do you know it was this time of year? Well, I don't know, and it probably wasn't this time of year, but I don't care. It's my time of year to celebrate the incarnation. and So if you want to jump on bandwagon, you're welcome to, uh, but we get to celebrate our Lord's birth in such wonderful ways through the songs thank you so much for um, music team for playing, leading us in songs good to have Phil playing with us today first time to join the team uh, and the others who just so in, w- in such a wonderful way guided us in our worship this morning worship through song so welcome whether you're uh, visiting with us or you're a regular attendant t- attender we're so glad you came today and maybe you're online listening we're so thankful that you've tuned in or logged on this morning We pray that the study is a blessing to you. So, my friends here today, would you take your Bibles and would you turn to Luke chapter 2? You were most likely anticipating that Luke 2 would come up in one of our studies this year, and sure enough, it will today. (laughs) Luke 2, what a great passage of Scripture... Uh, So the last two Advent seasons, we've enjoyed considering Christmas from different perspectives. If you'll remember, maybe you can remember two years ago. I have a hard time remembering two days ago, but (laughs) I have it on my computer so I I can go back and check. But two years ago, um, honestly, a lot's happened in the last two years. But two years ago, we spent time with a couple people. Looking at their perspective of the Christmas story, we spent time with the shepherds, and we spent time thinking of the angels' perspective, and we spent time thinking about the wise men's perspective. I don't know if you remember that, but we spent time with all three of those groups of people. Well, angels aren't really people, but from their perspective. Then last year, if you remember, we spent time with Joseph and Mary. We looked at it from their angle. What was happening in Joseph's life this time what was going on in his mind, what was he feeling, Uh, what was he assuring himself of, what was the context of life that Joseph was going to and through, and then we looked at the same for Mary. Well, today, we're going to go to basically the end of the story, and I don't know why something keeps going on and off here on my device, we'll see if we can work through this. I think we're going, all right. We're going to look at a couple characters this next two weeks Wonderful individuals at the end of the story Simeon and Anna How many of you have ever heard a sermon on Simeon? I'm just curious How about Anna? Okay, Several of us here, maybe just can't remember Because you're like me, can't remember two days ago But these folks, my heart has been warmed by studying their story And I hope it is for you as well Um, This morning, we will be in the life and ministry of this elderly worshiper of God, worshiper of Yahweh named Simeon. We find this fellow directly after the formal Christmas story that we read in Luke chapter 2. And we find him in verses 22 through 35. We find the setting of the story in verses 22 and 24. The description of Simeon, which is a wonderful description, the only description you find in all of Scripture for this fella. We find that in verses 25 and 26. And then the wonderful blessings from this Simeon that are in verses 27 through 35. So let's begin this morning. What we're going to do is just take each one of these sections and just read through the story. At the end of each one of these sections, I'm going to make some brief comment and explanation, and then we're going to kind of synthesize Uh, the last part the blessings of Simeon all as we think about what is happening in Simeon's mind what is the Christmas story from this guy's perspective Simeon so would you join me in first reading I will just follow along as I read verse 22 and I will read to verse 24 and then we'll stop and make some comments Verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they, we're talking about Joseph and Mary, brought him, who we're talking about, the newborn Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. All right, so what's the setting? Let's pause for a minute. What's the setting for this story? Well, this 40 day prior to this, Jesus, the Savior of the world, was born in a Bethlehem stable. You know the story well. We're not going to go to the beginning of chapter 2, but you can spend a lot of time this week, if you want, reading through the story in the first part of Luke chapter 2. At this stage in redemptive history, even after the birth of Jesus Christ, worshipers of God showed faith and obedience by obeying what? The ceremonial law of Moses. And they found this in the Torah. The major hub for all of this ceremonial worship was where? Jerusalem. The temple. So, in accordance with Luke, or Leviticus chapter 12, eight days after he was born, Jesus was consecrated through what is known as circumcision. That's in verse 21. Now, in accordance to Exodus chapter 13, I mean, Mary and Joseph were geared in. To the Old Testament, to obeying God and His law. Now, in Exodus chapter thirteen, uh, uh, in accordance to Exodus chapter thirteen, what this is awesome. In memory of the Exodus Passover, Jesus, as the firstborn son, was ceremonially, ceremonially consecrated to the Lord irony of this story, by the way, abounds. He's consecrated to the Lord, his heavenly Father. Why 40 days? Maybe you're asking yourself that question. Why 40 days? Because it says that. 40 days after Jesus was born. He was consecrated. So why 40 days? Well, it was for Mary's sake because Mary was very particular about obeying the law of God. For her purification after childbirth, according to Leviticus chapter 12, worshipers of God, female worshipers of God, were to come to be consecrated to God. Mary was to sacrifice a young lamb and a dove or a a pigeon. If you were rich, if you were affluent, you would bring a lamb and a pigeon or a, a turtle dove. Or if you didn't have so much money, guess what you would bring? Forty days after the birth of your firstborn son, you would bring two doves or two pigeons. Guess what Mary brought? Two birds. Turtle doves, pigeons. And what does that say about her place in life? Her and Joseph. They were not affluent. This place in their story, these people were not rich. I love this because this fits into exactly what we looked at last week or last year with Joseph and Mary. Everything about the Christmas story was a tension in their life. Really. We like to think of them running around with halos on their heads and everything is just working out perfectly. There was tension in almost every turn for Joseph and Mary and what was happening in their lives. Constantly, God Almighty was saying, will you trust me through this story? And I might add that's exactly what's happening for so many of us in this room through this season right now. Will you trust me, God is saying. I want us to move from the setting for Simeon to the actual description of Simeon. Verses 25 and 26. Verse 25 says this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was, a righteous, was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Yes, it does say, Griff, the Lord's Christ. Right? You read it. This is wonderful. So I want us to look at this description of Simeon. What about this this Simeon? this elderly worshiper of God. Well, he was a godly man. I mean, he was a man even in this short description. The only description you're going to find in all of the texts of Scripture, this is a man who is known through all of history now as being a man that is righteous and devout. In other words, this man feared God. And was committed to obeying God's directives as found in his law it appears that this Simeon lived in Jerusalem it is possible he lived somewhere in the outskirts and just re- ve- visited regularly he was worshipping God at the temple and here is what is very clear about this Simeon Okay, we can kind of paint this picture about this dude but here's what's very clear about him He was yearning to see Jesus. He wanted to see the Messiah. Okay, a quick pause right now. How many of you in this room can right now identify that through the nonsense of the stuff that we've gone through this last year, last couple of years? How many of you are just like, I would see Jesus right now? That's Simeon. He lived his whole life, came to the end of his life, and he, along with thousands of other faithful worshipers of Yahweh, this is a man who every day looked for the Messiah. The Messiah that was promised in the garden 4,000 years prior, spoken of throughout all of Scripture. This Simeon wanted to see this Christ. This man was righteous and devout. And the scripture actually says, waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting. Where does that come from, by the way? Well, if you open your Bibles and you go to the Old Testament, you'll find a wonderful book called Isaiah. Apparently, Simeon spent a lot of time in Isaiah. Because you go through Isaiah, you find this comforter, the Messiah is and will come. He is coming. And how does Isaiah? And by the way, in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at some of these these words from Isaiah: Isaiah nine six, Isaiah seven fourteen. Right after Christmas, we're going to spend some time in that as we launch into the new year. But what do you find in Isaiah? You find. A people of God that quite honestly are going through a lot of uncertain times. And Isaiah is saying, don't trust in an alliance here. Don't trust in this alliance. Don't trust in this alliance. Trust in Emmanuel, God with us. Why? Because in Jesus you will find comfort. Isaiah 40, comfort my children, comfort. Isaiah 9, Isaiah 7, this Jesus, His wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, that is the consolation that Simeon was holding on to with all he had. And the passage says, as we work through this description of Simeon, the passage says this, The Holy Spirit was upon him. This is awesome. At this point in redemptive history, and we need to remember this, any time you go to the Scriptures, you cannot just make it all fit into one equation. You have to realize that God was working in certain ways through redemptive history, all leading to Jesus Christ. We need to remember that in this point in redemptive history, we're talking about the time of the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit's ministry was not as prolific as we find described in the New Covenant, where we are at now. What I mean is this, God's Spirit moved upon selective believers for for special God-ordained ministry, but God's Spirit did not permanently indwell on every believer. This would happen, by the way, friends, this would happen 33 years later. Please catch that. Why? Because what is going to happen in the very same spot now where Simeon is holding up the Christ child? It's called Pentecost, the establishment of the church. And as you walk through Acts, as you walk through the New Testament of your Bible, you're going to find that the ministry of the Holy Spirit indwells every single believer and is the impetus for every step we take in all of our journeys. But at any rate, at this time in redemptive history, this is an abnormal but absolutely amazing situation for a godly man, this godly man, Simeon. Think about what God's Spirit was doing for Simeon through this. Think about this, would you? God's Spirit not only revealed that Simeon, or to Simeon, that he would see the Messiah. This is awesome. Simeon, that Jesus that you want to see, you will see him don't know exactly when this was promised to him, but sometime it was promised to him, and he waited for this. You will see this Jesus, Simeon. Not only did the Holy Spirit reveal that Simeon would see the Messiah before he died, but also the Holy Spirit moved on Simeon in the temple to recognize Jesus, and furthermore, prophesy about Jesus, a wonderful prophecy that we'll get to in just a minute. Let's transition to the blessings. We saw the setting, we've seen this description, but after Simeon has seen the Christ child, we find some amazing blessings. And who is he blessing? I'm just going to go ahead and advance this. My device is periodically freezing up here so let's go with this who is he blessing he blesses god this is a prayer technical name for this but this is a blessing to god and then in verse 34 he blesses joseph and mary and then he has a special prophecy about jesus Let's just read through this blessing. Would you look with me at verses 27 through 35? Verse 27 says this, And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now... You are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to the people, to your people, Israel. Verse 33. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Okay, time out. They marveled. This rocked their world. (laughs) They were like, what is going on right now? We'll talk about that in just a minute. Verse 34. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother. Catch this. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. Verse 35, And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. End of discussion. I'm sure there was more to it, but that's the last we have from this text. What did do, what do we just read? All right, this blessing, these blessings. What did we just interact with? I mean, I'm reading this this week, and I, I've never dug too deeply into Simeon. I've enjoyed looking at his life and, you know, sharing different thoughts about his life, but not like this week. And digging into this story, there's so many times I just stop and basically shake my head, even with tears coming down my face, and say, what did I just read? What about this guy? simeon is on a mission by the holy spirit in the temple i mean it's not revealed how long he had been looking but he is out to find jesus in this vast temple why do i say vast temple because we're talking about 40 acres with thousands of worshipers to be found at dozens of possible locations All the gates, all the thoroughfares, all of the places of worship, and he is looking for the Messiah, Jesus. Clearly, it is the Holy Spirit of God moving on him, leading him to identify this Christ child. And in my mind, I think, someday, when I get to heaven, I'm going to watch this as an instant replay, somehow. I know God can possibly do that. To see this replayed, to watch the connection when Simeon walks his eyes on the Messiah, on Joseph and Mary, and then makes his way. Can you imagine the feeling in Simeon's heart? The Holy Spirit of God saying, that's the one. He's the one you've been looking for your entire life. Go get him, Simeon. And as he walks close to him, I would imagine the tears start streaming down their face. He's the one I've been watching for. He's the one that I come to worship all the time here at the temple. Because all of this worship in the temple is leading to one person. Him. Jesus. After miraculously being led by the Spirit to identify Jesus, Simeon must have seriously sweet-talked Mary and Joseph. I don't know how he got the Christ child into his hands. <laughs> it's not exposed here in this story. But somehow Simeon, I don't know how he held it together when he approached Joseph and Mary, but he approaches Joseph and Mary, and somehow the Christ child is passed on to the hands of Simeon. And Simeon holds the Savior of the world in his Now, through the Spirit, he blesses God, he blesses Mary and Joseph, and then he prophesies about Mary. Just, just think about this scenario for a couple short minutes. As we looked at last year, I mean, I would honestly venture to say that this was a very awkward time for Joseph and Mary. Yeah, this is 40 days after Jesus was born. We don't have a lot of description other than the fact that Jesus was, was consecrated through circumcision and his name was called Jesus. We, we don't have much in line of what happened in this next 40 days. I personally don't believe that wise men had come yet. I mean, especially because they didn't have money, Mary and Joseph. I mean, they could have just gone back and got gold, frankincense, and myrrh and bought a lamb. But they didn't have money yet. I think that comes later in the story. But what's happening here for Joseph and Mary? How did they approach this 40-day? They know that they are going to obey the law of Moses. And as they're walking into the, into the temple, I mean, whatever direction they were going, I mean, you can only surmise what gate they were coming through, what, which way they were traveling, what court they were passing through. In my mind, I like to theorize where they were in the temple, but there's no way of absolutely knowing. They are in the temple. Can you imagine what they were thinking? They had been very likely in Bethlehem for the last 40 days. What had happened in Bethlehem? We talked of this last year. and I would encourage you to go back and listen to the perspective of Joseph and Mary. I don't think it was all bed of roses for Joseph and Mary. How was Jesus seen very likely by those in the house of David from Joseph and Mary as an illegitimate child? So that means how was Joseph and Mary to be seen by the family? As unfaithful to each other. And they held every step of the way into the temple. I believe they held the promises of each angel to Joseph and Mary. God wants us to do this. God wants us to do this. God wants us to do this. I don't think they were hopping and skipping and jumping into the temple that day. I believe as they walked into the temple that day, it was with heavy hearts full of apprehension. Honestly, maybe covering up the child in a little bit of a way, walking into the temple to obey God's word and to consecrate this child. But every step of the way, they're like, God told us to do this. This is the promised Messiah. But how is this going to work, God? How? How are you going to make this work for us? And then all of a sudden, you have this old guy come up. That's why I can't wait to get a replay of this. Tears flooding down his face. Smile on his face as he just lights up seeing this child. And he says, can I have the child? No, you can't have the child. Can I just pray over him? Please pray with you guys. And whatever the case, Mary and Joseph's heart melt. And then Simeon takes the Christ child in his hands. Holds him up to almighty God. And out loud starts praying a blessing in the temple. We're talking hundreds, potentially thousands of people looking at this old guy, holding up this child and saying, what is he doing? Can you imagine if you were Joseph and Mary? (laughs) Can you imagine if you're Joseph? I mean, if he could conceal carry, he would (laughs) have. Even into the temple. (laughs) But can you imagine if you were Joseph. And this guy comes, and you're like, "No, stay away." I am the protector of this child. And then Mary's like, "I think it's going to be okay." Okay, so they give him, and all of a sudden, he starts pronouncing over this child. What would you do if you were Joseph? And I know a lot of this is theory, all right? So this is not in the scripture. It's not taken a scripture. And my, this is my weird imagination going. But when I think about the story, I think about Joseph looking at Simeon saying, "Dude, quiet down." Stay it a little quieter. This is kind of like a personal moment for us. And you're ruining it. But then as he gets into the prayer of blessing, they quickly realize that this is more than just some random dude coming up to hold the Christ child. This is a man sent from God. And why? To affirm the redemptive story. All that... Joseph and Mary had been told by this angel that they had been mocked about by the family. Now it's alive. And Joseph and Mary looking at each other say, I don't know who this random dude is, but he knows too. He got word too. And then Joseph and Mary looking at each other, and what did they do? The passage is extremely clear. Verse 33 says they marveled in the temple, they stopped and just marveled at what they had just heard. Marveled at what was said about Jesus. That's what the text said. So if they marveled at what was said about Jesus, We're going to take the remainder of our time right now and look at exactly what was said about Jesus. And it's going to, honestly, when I read through this this week and dialed it into it a little bit further, my heart was full because my brothers and sisters in Christ here who have come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, guess what? You're in this passage because you are part of the nations. You are part of the Gentiles. We have been brought into God's family by His grace alone, and this was pronounced in the Jewish temple. Would you look with me at some more of what is said here? And actually, I'm going to just propose this key truth for us to look at and, and meditate on this week. Um, I think as you go through exactly what Simeon says, I think you got to dial in on this key truth. Here it is. As seen through the joyful declarations of Simeon, God's gracious plan of salvation has been secured in Christ. Those three words secured in Christ. The Christ has come. Here he is. All of those years, 4,000 years of anticipating the Christ. And now the Holy Spirit is. Coming on this man, Simeon, to say, there he is! This is him. In the beauty of this story, we find that God's gracious plan of salvation has been secured in this Christ child. But there's more to what's said here. So let's unpack this for a couple minutes. Starting with this, I think there's themes that you find through what he's saying here. I was trying to work through these this week and try to... uh, summarize them because we don't have five hours to look at each one of them. So we're going to work through this, give you some homework this week to dial in a little bit deeper into these. But let's start with this. Through Christ, God's salvation plan includes all nations. Christ has secured His plan, God's plan for the nation. We're talking about a godly Jewish man holding up the Christ child, announcing in the Jewish temple that the Savior of the nations is here. How does Simeon reveal this? Well, verse 29. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Verse thirty. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Verse 31, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. All right, so let's just look at one of these phrases at a time, starting with this one in verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation promised in the garden, anticipated for 4,000 years, recorded of in God's word, this is the rescuer. He is here. Simeon says, I'm ready to pass from this life into the next because I have just placed my personal eyes on the Messiah. (laughs) So cool. But we find some amazing descriptions, further descriptions. He says that you have prepared in the presence of all the people. Simeon brings the nations into the discussion. Twice. Right away in his declarations, he talks of the nations. And that's what I've been wrapping, trying to wrap my, eye, my mind around this week. In the Jewish temple... Simeon is saying, you have done this, almighty God, before all the nations, before the godly here and the godless. This is the rescuer of the world. It is not exclusive to Israel. It is for those from all kindred and tribe and people and nation. This is the Messiah to be worshipped. And if it wasn't clear who he was referring to, look at verse 32. He says another word for Nations, He actually uses the word that we translate Gentiles. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. This salvation is not exclusive to Israel. It's for all God's chosen people made up of both Jews and Gentiles. And we'll see this in 33 years from this moment at this temple. You will see the cross of Jesus Christ that is sufficient to save all who come to him in, saving, in, in, in faith. I, again, I, my mind goes back to Isaiah. Simeon knew Isaiah really well, I believe. He hung out in Isaiah a lot. Isaiah 49, verse 6, I will make you as a light for the nations. This talked of the Messiah. The Messiah would be made to be a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Write down that verse Isaiah 49 6. This is you and me in the Old Testament of Scripture. Not only are we promised in the Abrahamic covenant that through Abraham, his seed, all the nations of the world would be blessed, we are in Isaiah where he says, Jesus will be a light to the nations. My friends, if this doesn't get you excited that you're in God's plan, something's wrong. Because you and me are in God's redemptive plan. A plan established before the very foundations of this world. Christ is a light to the nations. He shines in brilliant splendor. And that's actually the wording. He's He's a light to the Gentiles and he shines. That's the word glory. He shines in brilliant splendor to Israel. Uh, this is what he, I believe Paul in the book of Ephesians says That in Christ, this is the great mystery That in Christ, Jews and Gentiles are brought together in the church That's where this happens By the way, who's writing this? Just a quick timeout, Contextual timeout. Who, who's writing this? Obviously the divine author is the Holy Spirit, right? Peter and Paul both remind us of that But who is writing this? It's a fellow by the name of Luke, doctor. And who did Luke hang out with? Who was the apostolic undergirding for the writings of Luke? It was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, ironically enough, is known as the apostle, the missionary. To whom? The Gentiles. It would make sense, complete sense, that the writing of Luke through the ministry of Paul would point out Simeon's comments here about Jesus being the light to the Gentiles. All right, let's go to this next one. Not only through Christ, God's plan includes all the nations. God's plan, salvation plans, includes both just judgment and blessing. And we need to wrap our minds around this because a lot of times when we enter into this Christmas season, it's all merry and joy. Mary, M-E-R-R-Y. Mary and joy. You understand what I'm saying? And festivity. And it should be because Christ was born. But the purpose for Christ's birth was not just, and I've seen several of you comment on that this, this the last couple of days, the purpose of Christ's birth was not just to give us another wonderful holiday. It is to lead us to the cross of Jesus Christ. Think about what is being said here Simeon is talking about God's redemptive plan being secured. And God's redemptive plan includes both judgment and blessing. Verse 34. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Who appointed? God did. This Jesus will be the lamb to those who believe. If you go right back to Isaiah. He's going to be the lamb to those who believe. He is going to be the lion to those who reject. This Christ will be the stone of stumbling, the rock of offense for some, but this Christ will be the provider of great blessing for others. The proud will be brought low, and the lowly will be exalted. That is the story of the scriptures. Through this Christ, Judgment and blessing would both come. God did not send Christ to simply give us a wonderful holiday, as we've already noted. God sent Christ to fulfill His righteous plan, a plan that truly for His glory. And we we don't know all of how this fits together, but it's clear in the Scriptures. It is a plan that involves rejection and reception. It is a plan that involves both judgment and blessing, all for God's glory. And so, when we try to figure that out in our minds, we try to figure out how God is doing this. A couple things have to come into our minds. Number one, God is God, and I am not. He has the right as a sovereign God to write this story as he wants. That's why we call it his redemptive story, not my redemptive story. And then, number two, we assure ourselves, according to Ephesians chapter 1, that all things that God does will be for his glory and for our good. So even though we don't know exactly how this fits together, the judgment and blessing through Christ, it will all be for His glory, for our good, so we trust Him. That is the story of our entire Bibles. Through Christ, God's salvation plan includes both judgment and blessing. Here's another thing that Simeon exposes. A third theme. Through Christ, God's salvation plan includes a what? A painful sacrifice why a painful sacrifice because Jesus God in the flesh was to identify with the sin of mankind that b- brought pain to the heart of God the creator Jesus was the sacrifice for the sins of mankind and how does Simeon expose this by the way that's a, there's a lot that Mary and Joseph are hearing here, okay? Can you imagine being in that temple? Constantly, we're going back to this temple scenario. They're listening to this dude, and they're like, what? What? Wow. And here's what he says. Here's what Simeon says. Behold, this child, I'm oh sorry, uh, verse 34, for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own sword, or through your own soul also. This is Simeon to Mary, specifically. He says, "For a sign that is opposed, Mo- many of your translations that you might have there will say, "For a sign that is spoken against." That's probably a better translation. <laughs> it is a sign that is spoken against." It's referring to the pain that Christ will endure through the false and cutting words of people that lead him to the pain of the cross. Time out. What's happening in this very same place 33 years later? This Christ that was held up in the hands of Simeon is a Christ that is dragging his cross to Mount Calvary. Through the ridicule and pain of hundreds and thousands of people mocking him for being King Jesus. This isn't a made-up story by Simeon. This is the real deal. Furthermore, if you look at the story, he says, this will be a sword that will pierce through your own soul, Mary. Mary. Mary will undergo incredible inner pain as she watches her son endure rejection and suffering. Friends, this is the reality of the incarnation. Christ secured God's plan through the pain of the cross. Again, God did not send Christ to simply give us another wonderful holiday. God sent Christ to go to the cross for our sins. Sure, Christmas is about the joy of the manger. But let us remember that it is also about the pain of the cross. Simon declares that through Christ, God's salvation plan has been secured. It includes all the nation. It includes judgment and blessing. It includes painful sacrifice. There will be pain involved for both this child and this mother. By the way, your mind starts going, doesn't it? We don't find Joseph recorded and what's happening i personally think that joseph passed off the scene sometime in jesus childhood to early adulthood i can't substantiate that i think he was an older gentleman that passed sometime in that era. we don't find any prophecy about him really in regard to jesus sacrifice but specifically mary this will be a pain in your heart mary well there we find then we find a fourth theme Let's look at this fourth theme because this is really at what's at the heart of your entire Bibles. We've looked at this in the last year that the story of your Bible is that God does not just want outward conformity. He wants the heart. And so what is the ministry of Jesus Christ to get to the heart? And that's exactly what Simeon says here. Do you look with me at the end of verse 35. Uh, Simeon says to Mary, and a sword will pierce through your also also through your soul, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simply enough, the ministry of this Christ proven over and over and over again through the description in the Gospels, in the Bible that you're holding right now. The ministry of Jesus Christ is to get to the Christ is not interested in dealing with outward conformity simply with outward conformity in line with the new covenant prophecies prophecies in the Old Testament. Christ's ministry would involve this, the transformation of the heart. We've talked about that. And so what is Simeon prophesying here? Now this Christ child will reveal the hearts of Alright, so let's make this incredibly personal. My friend here today, this Christ child who Simi was holding, he came to deal with the sin in your heart. In my heart. Honestly, when I go through this this week and, and I periodically read through this account, I, I stop and I say, Man, what a story I cannot wait to get a replay this is going to be so cool I wonder if it's how I imagine it for Christmas from Simeon's perspective involved ver- verbal recognition of the Christ child who was the foundation of God's entire redemptive plan it involved I mean Simeon acknowledging saying it verbally that Christ was the one who secured God's plan. Everything in human history is pointing to this person in my hands right now—to Jesus, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And Simeon got it. This was a cause for rejoicing. So not as not much as shown us in this story not any of it is shown of what happened after Simeon gave back the Christ child <laughs> but I can only imagine as he went to his home his dwelling, wherever he lived that that night he sat there in contemplation potentially for hours I, I don't know if he slept that night but the smile on his face seeing I just saw the King of Kings and Lord of Lords I saw the Messiah so I kind of want to bring this to the head, to a head here. The conclusion. Have you seen the Messiah? No, Andrew, I didn't see him. But well, how? Here's how. This Bible tells you all about this Messiah. Have you come to meet this Jesus? All of human history pro- pointing to this one Christ child who is the foundation of all of God's story, have you met Jesus? Along with Simeon, will you? And we kind of have to ask this question, so what? Along with Simeon, Simeon, will you rejoice in God's gracious plan of salvation that is found only in Christ? You're not going to find satisfaction in anything else. Paul says, there's salvation in no one else, no other name under heaven. Will you find this salvation than in Jesus Christ? Will you rejoice that God's gracious plan of salvation has been secured in Christ? Practically, as you enjoy Christmas this season with your families." sure enjoy this time of year. Like I said at the beginning, I love this time of year. But will you intentionally see beyond the songs and the ribbons and the bells and the lights and the food and the food and the food and the gifts and the trees? And along with Simeon, will you rejoice that this Christ is the foundation of all that God has ever done on His created earth? God's gracious plan of salvation has been secured in this Christ. So God, we thank you for this man, Simeon, that we get to just glean from this description of him in this passage today. Thank you for the wonderful privilege to be able to interact with these truths. And God, so often we read through these stories and we just take for granted the depth of what's being said here. I thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that shines out of the bad news. The blessing that shines out of the pain. And I pray, God, today that through this story, every single one of us here would remember that Christmas, your redemptive plan is secured in Jesus. My friends here today, I'm going to close out this service with a, a prayer and then a, a song. But I want to assure you that it's no mistake that you came today. God in His grace has brought you to corporate worship today at this location at this time. I, I know there's several other things that you could have done or what could be doing But I want to encourage you that God wanted you to hear what we talked about today for whatever reason. I think the main reason is this, that we would remember the reason for this season is Jesus Christ. Would you pray that God would give you the grace to focus on that? Some here today that say, you know, Pastor Andrew, a lot of that made sense, but not all of it. going to tell you something very important for you to hear the gospel of jesus christ is the fact that you were born into this world as a sinner not only were you born in the rebellious line of adam but you're a sinner because you choose to sin you choose to rebel against god's holy law In order to make a person a sinner, it doesn't take a lot of sins. It takes one sin, one lie, one thought of rebellion. And that one sin is enough to condemn you before the holiness of God. My friend, there is a holy God who cannot interact with your sin. He must punish your sin, but My friend, that is the wonderful story of the gospel. That 2,000 years ago, God sent Jesus, God in the flesh, to be born in a miraculous way, to live a sinless life, and to go to that cross as our substitute. He went to that cross to pay for my sins. Scripture says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be rescued. So my friend, have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I would encourage you, don't go another day. Some of you have heard this story your entire lives, but you've never stepped out in faith placing your faith in this rescuer would today be that day i close out this service with a prayer and a song there will be chaplains at the front here elders will be around this building and if you still have questions would you come talk with us about this we would love to explain to you more about the love of god that is expressed to you on the cross of jesus christ There may be some in this room that need to go home and interact with the scriptures. Get on your knees and struggle some more with this. But I would encourage you, don't delay. You don't know when your last breath will come. Others of us here today, we pray by God's grace. We have come into relationship with God, now by God's grace. Let us worship this Christ all week long because He alone is the foundation for God's redemptive story. Thank you, God, for all that you taught us today from your word. Bless now as we sing the song of praise to you. I pray that you would help it to come from hearts of gratitude and humility. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your attentive. uh, ears today. I pray that it goes beyond the ears into the hearts this week. Um, Thank you for coming in worship. Would you stand as we close out in this song of praise? We're going to sing Jesus, Messiah. If you know this, sing it out. If you don't know it, worship with the songs. Some of you came ready to share of your resources. Boxes are in the back or share online. Go with the blessing of an almighty God as we worship this Christ every moment of